Hello, my name is Jibu. Welcome to episode 5 of The Proxy, a podcast by UW Coffee & Code designed to be your connection to the tech industry. This episode's guest is Aditya Sharma, an electrical engineering student here at the University of Waterloo, and also the VP of Education at Coffee & Code. He's not only a talented programmer, but a champion for encouraging us to question the nature of our relationship with software and technology. In today's episode, we talk about how his value system brought him to the field of engineering, how he began his career in machine learning, and some of the humanitarian issues that have cropped up in the field recently. If that sounds interesting, stick around for the episode. Cool. All right. So we are here with episode five, I guess now. Yeah. We're here with uh, Aditya Sharma. Or do you prefer Adi? Yeah. Well, so here's the thing. (laughs) There's a funny story. I'm from Alberta, right? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, not a lot of people can say my name, so oh, okay. I usually go by Addy, uh-huh. but uh, it, like if you, I, I let the person choose. Okay, Addy, so, Aditya. Yeah. Um, same person inside, same that's what we're here inside. for. Exactly. Yeah. So um, uh, you are a, who are you? You're, in, you're a student here at University of Waterloo, mm-hmm. but there's a lot more to you that I know that other people out there might not. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so uh, yeah, as you said, uh, I'm here to be computer engineering. Mm-hmm. Uh, besides that, outside of school, I am like a pretty, pretty chill guy, you know, like play sports, mm-hmm. uh, like to stay involved in my community. Um, mm. yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't know. What do you want to know? There you go. Well, we'll get into that stuff. Yeah, perfect. So, um, like you said, I guess technically like on paper, you're an engineer, but I remember the first time we talked, uh, you told me that you had a very interesting process to get here and mm-hmm. that you almost shouldn't have been an engineer. Mm-hmm. So how'd that, how'd that play out? Yeah, so, no, I think, uh, so back in grade 10, I guess, mm-hmm. I was on route to, like, the med track, you know, to the IB and did all those, like, checkpoints. Grade 11, I got into this, uh, like, research program at U of A, which is University of Alberta, and there I got to do some really cool stuff, like, with research, and especially, like, uh, like heart attacks and, like, worked with a cardio surgeon. Oh, so this was medical research? Yeah, this was Science medical oriented. research. Okay. So medical, pharmaceutical, the kind of like the intersection of that. Mm-hmm. And that was super fun. Um, like just getting to know about it, but I kind of figured like we had had these brown bag lunches where they brought in like a, a person outside and they're like, okay, just talk about your profession. And we got a surgeon uh, to come talk to us the one day. And I was like, okay. And he talked about what he did, what his thought process, what his day was like, and how he like kind of like felt and went about his career. It's like okay, this this seems pretty interesting. Um, so I kind of like kind of geared myself, propelled myself towards that. And come grade twelve, you know, I was kind of like going down the med route, checking all the boxes, as Chamath says, right, filling all the um, playing the game. But then. I think I started really getting into like that's when like Tesla was starting to pick up, and I'd heard of this guy like Elon, like you know, I've been following him. The Lost Prince himself. Lost Prince. <laughs> so yeah, I got in. I read his read his autobiography. I autobiography not autobiography biography by Ashley Vance, and I was like, okay, all right. There's a lot of interesting things to take away from there. Um, I think like the biggest thing though that stuck with me was like, okay, like if I kind of reverse engineered, I always wanted to like kind of impact my community and like my sort of values and beliefs revolve around that, like making positive impact. And I was like, okay, I'm trying to get into this med thing or doing this med thing because I really care about people and I really care about, uh, you know, like using myself as a good propeller. And I, after like, as, meanwhile, throughout this process, I was shadowing a few, pro, a few doctors here and there. And I kind of figured, okay, like 
if I was to be like the most successful doctor I could be, yes, I would create light, like the create like a massive amount of impact uh, in say like 2,000, 3,000 people in, throughout my entire career, which is great, right? Um, but if I was to do something like, you know, like engineering and like go into engineering and like l learn the tools and skills that I need to implement like systemic change or make products, right? The, the ceiling is kind of like sky's the limit sort of thing, right? And that, that sort of idea kind of stuck with me. And I, at that point in time, this was like December, January. So uh, I was being pushed in a lot of directions, right? As most people are when they're applying for universities. I'd apply to these med schools uh, outside international in the Caribbean and Ireland. So you even went as far as to apply to med school yeah, before yeah. you made the choice. Yeah, and my wow. yeah, exactly. And like I think like in in, in India, uh, where where I'm originally from, like my parents, one they they also had that option. They like wanted me to go to med school as well. Um, and my dad had like gotten me into like some med schools in India as well because you go to med school right after high school. Mm -hmm. And so I had those options available, and I was like, okay, all right, I'm gonna. Ditch that, you know, <laughs> for mm -hmm. a little bit, which came up, which was an interesting conversation with my parents. And, uh, yeah, I went to engineering. I applied to engineering. I was also looking into, like, business, um, but not as seriously as, like, engineering and med school. Uh, but, yeah, that was kind of my thought process at the end of the day. And uh, there's an interesting story regarding, like, just, like, my choice of university as well, because I'm from Florida, it's super far away. And so, like, the conflict was between UBC and UF, uh, Waterloo. So I'd, like, accepted uh, both offers. Yeah. I mean, like, BC is still a ways away from Alberta. Yeah. that It is. It is. But, you know, I, I was like, okay. There was a lot of, lot of uh, decision, uh, factors that went into the decision. Distance mm -hmm. was one of them. But BC was still close to Alberta. <laughs> That's true. And I'd been there before, right? I'd lived yeah. there. Or not lived there, but, like, I visited there quite a few times. So... Mm -hmm. I was like, okay, I want to push myself the most. So I went away and like, okay, let's mm -hmm. do Waterloo. So I'm curious then, it, like, that must have been really difficult for you internally. But like, how did, uh, like, did you get a lot of pushback from other people in your life? Because like, I mean, if you're, if I didn't know you and you're like, oh, some kid in high school is mm -hmm. like researching, he's shadowing doctors, mm -hmm. I'd be like, yeah, that kid's going to be a doctor, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Question mark. Yeah. And then so I'm curious, like, did people... You know, did other people influence your decision at all? Or did you have to tell them, like, hey, you know, this is what I'm doing for me? Right. So, no, I think, like, all throughout, like, kind of, like, my entire life. So I moved here, moved to uh, Canada in grade 7. And so I guess from, like, grade 7 to grade 11-ish, like, I'd been sort of pushed and, like, you know, kind of put into this thing, say, do the, doing the right thing, uh, quote-unquote. And... Uh, I think, like, there was a lot of pushback all throughout, and I was, like, kind of succumbing to that pushback until grade 11, and then grade 12 came around, and I was like, okay, um, why, right? <laughs> like, well, why am I listening to these people? Like, this is my life sort of thing. Yeah. And although I respect them, right, I, uh, my, my dad used to always tell me, like, listen to everybody, but, like, make your decision independently, right? So that was sort of my uh, approach, and I, I was getting a lot of pushback. I was like, okay, you know, like you've already done all this work, you know, you're all already set into this track and you're going to, the sunk cost would be too great. And I say, like, okay, like what's the point if I'm like unhappy, like not even unhappy, if I don't have meaning in my life, like like five years down the, down the line and 
Um, I know because of all the people, like, you know, all the doctors I've shadowed that, like, resident, this is not hard, man. This is some, like, tough, can you swear on this? Yeah. Okay, this is some tough <laughs> you yeah. go through, right? So it's like, um, yeah, I, I ain't about that life. I'm not, like, yeah. con- totally convinced, right? And so, uh, despite the pushback, I was like, okay, here's what I'm thinking. Here's my logic. Um, if you have any input, I'm, I'm going to listen to you rationally. I'm going to try and, like, bring, like, uh, consider those opinions that you say, but ultimately that decision is in my hands, and mm-hmm. I'm going to make that decision. I'm curious, then, what was the most compelling con for, like, um, the most compelling reason to stay in medicine and mm-hmm. continue to do that? And, like, how did you overcome and be like, yes, that's really heavy, but there is something else out there that outweighs it and towards the direction of engineering? Right. Do you remember? I For us, this was kind of a while ago, I guess, yeah, now. Yeah, it's yeah. been, like, three something years, so. Yeah. If you remember. No, I... Uh, I, I I think I do. So like, and I think it's even like to this day, it's still like a factor for me. Um, the impact that you can make as a doctor is very tangible mm-hmm. and is very, very direct, right? And um, it's it's measurable and it's safe. Mm-hmm. And with an engineer or like with, with an engineering degree and for us like during co-ops, right? It's a little bit uncertain, so you gotta like you know really like seek those opportunities, push, part like carve your own path. Like if being here in Waterloo, right, it's super easy to like get embroiled in the rat race of like oh yeah, making Cali and yeah. all that stuff, right? But if I think, I think that was like the biggest thing, right? Just like if I could make impact as a doctor that's safe and secure, and I'm sure like that's not gonna be compromised. But am I willing to take that gambit and like, okay, like really push, like push myself as an mm-hmm. engineer um, to use my t- tools and skills that I develop mm-hmm. to like do, do something from scratch, right? And this is not to say that like doctors, um, like they don't do stuff outside. Like I know I do oh, a great yeah. deal of doctors Definitely. that are like, you know, entrepreneurs now yeah. um, doing some crazy shit, right? But it's just like the the odds, right? The probability and just like given the time and how much, how, how much sort of you need to devote yourself to the career, um, that was the thing, like uncertainty versus certainty. Right. Damn. So that that's a very like, um, at that stage of your life, that's a very mature and like principled decision. <laughs> and so does that still stick with you today in engineering, like doing things out of the good for, you know, the greater good? Oh yeah, for sure. Like I think that that's what drives me and it, it's hard, right? Like engineering's hard and you don't get a lot of time for other things, I think. Like, that's, like, one of the only reasons. And uh, I was just watching a TED Talk the other day. I was like, okay, like, I, it, you can go through the motions of life, right? But it's, if, if you phone, don't find the meaning behind it, what's the point? You can be happy, but happy's tempor- happiness is temporary. Whereas meaning is uh, the one thing that you can fall back to if things go awry in your personal life and whatnot. And I think if I don't have that, right, then who am I sort of thing? That's, right. that's a focal, like, I, I think I... Um, attach my identity to that. Um, and I don't know if that's healthy, but... Uh, I mean, you got to have something to stick your identity on, right? Exactly, like, exactly. And out of all the things you could do, that's not necessarily a terrible one, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. So, oh, dang, what's going on upstairs? Oh, okay. Um, uh, so then I want to ask, is that the reason why you ended up becoming the VP of Education for Coffee and Code? Yeah, so... It was it was a multitude of reasons. Like okay. one of the reasons being that, like um, every, I guess, like every decision that I kind of make uh, throughout my undergrad career, I do go through that preliminary check. Is like, okay, 
is this like aligned with my values and beliefs, right? Mm-hmm. In this case, it turned out to be. And the, one of the biggest reasons that I wanted to do uh, something like Coffee and Code was obviously because of the mission. Because um, I'm from I'm from Alberta, right? Um, and I'm from a small town. And there's this whole, uh, I think we were talking about this the other day, this like inaccessibility and there's like a divide between if you if you go to Toronto, you know all these things, right? Like the, just the expo- mere exposure of um, just having an environment that's geared towards like universities and stuff. And Yeah, I think there's like, there's a bit of, bit of both. Like there are things you definitely can't find in Toronto mm-hmm. that you can only find out in different places. Right. Um, like agriculture is one of those things where it's a really old industry mm-hmm. and there's a lot of room for improvement, but no one in the space in Toronto makes like startups or stuff around it because they don't understand or know of that kind of culture, right? Right. So no. there's definitely value there. No, I I, I agree with that actually. Um, so what yeah. What's like, going it, on upstairs? This I is crazy. Have no idea, dude. I think they were like taking some food upstairs, oh, so okay. probably some of that. But um, yeah, essentially, there, there. I, I agree with you. Like, say, like, if you want to be a chemical engineer, no place better than Alberta. Yeah, right? yeah, definitely. Um, but with the stuff that I was interested in, there was not a lot of exposure there. Um, and I know because going through it, like, I knew a few people like like me who were interested, but we didn't have anywhere to go, right? And I just, for me, I just got a little lucky with that, like, summer thing and um, just some other events that happened. Um, meeting these people, meeting new people, I was like, okay, this thing exists, right? This thing's cool. So, like. I'm really passionate about just like the rural, like kind of expanding tech to rural areas, I guess. Mm-hmm. And so, coffee, coffee and cotton, while not rural, is like introducing people who are not inter- who are not in tech to tech, right? Right. Because I feel like there's a lot of pros to tech, and there's a lot that this industry has to offer. So that was the ma- that's one of the big reasons, right? Which is the mission statement of Coffee mm-hmm. and Code. Um, another thing was like this program that I was super passionate about that. Um, we're work, we're still working on it, um, which was like this like, kind of like matching service, um, and so kind of like a little bit of context regarding that. Um, I I really like doing projects by myself outside of school, and when I'm a co-op, and like because of my like kind of value system, like I I want to do stuff that actually like matters, right? Yeah. That's that's that, that's impactful, and it, it's really hard with like so a lot of people just trying to like put stuff on the resume and like I I would be I don't want to say I don't care about it but it's definitely like definitely not my priority mm-hmm. I, I it's like okay if I do put something on resume right or uh, I, I put that put that line there sure I did that but the far more important thing is like I made something is that, it, that you made it yeah exactly it. Yeah. I made something of value and when I was trying to like kind of like convince recently I got I got really intrigued by this like kind of like world of BCI brain computer interfaces. Mm. And when I was trying to like make like do projects with this, like I find it really hard to like find people who were interested in like doing something like kind of non-conventional that wouldn't like you wouldn't be able to like advertise on your yeah. resume, right? Um and so my and and like just just these like long shot moonshot projects that um are kind of hard. Not, not like direct impact couldn't really help you in the direct like consequence, but just like working on them would help, such as I don't know carbon sequestering or uh, I don't know how like nuclear fission <laughs> something yeah. like that, right? So for for me like this, when I talked to Mo about like kind of signing up for this position, I was like, okay, I want to I want to do this where like we want to make like this platform where we can connect like people who are who may have complementary skills but are passionate about the same like drive and like uh, climate change or like these tackling these huge problems and make like 
basically being, being a meeting ground for these people, right? Yeah. So that was another thing that I was super passionate about. And those were basically the two reasons mm-hmm. that I joined. So then I think that's a good transition into like your professional work mm-hmm. and most of the co-op stuff you've done is based around like data science and machine learning. Mm-hmm. So is like, is that, is, did those kinds of experiences help you break into that field? Like meeting people who are kind of passionate about the same thing? Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I think like especially with like machine learning like mm-hmm. being on the rise right now it's, it's like, <laughs> i think it's more than on the rise more than on the rise yeah. like very buzzwordy it's just um, exploding exactly mm-hmm. um like part of the i got into it i guess like let's say let's see early early 2018 late 2017 mm-hmm. and at that point of time just like my experiences were like a lot of smart people were going into it and they were doing a lot of cool things right and machine learning was used like as, as this tool right to like kind of um, the most, I guess, traditional cases like, used to determine like malignatic versus benign cancer, mm-hmm. which was, uh, I don't know if anybody's taken like the Andrew Andrew, the classic um, course, they would know what I'm talking about. But essentially, um, it, it's just a really, really good tool that can like you can at- use to attack like very traditional problems that wouldn't have been able to, we wouldn't have been able to solve before. Yeah. And yeah, I saw that. Like, I was like reading all these news articles and like kind of talking to these people and being exposed to all this, uh, all the all the stuff that's happening around me. It seemed like it was an interesting thing to have in my toolkit mm-hmm. to attack problems further. So. Interesting. That's so. I that's really interesting because like you when you you talking about brain computer interfaces now reminds me a lot about like how machine learning was in like 2012 and 2013. People right. were still very much like convoluted neural networks were just black boxes and stuff right. that no one really understood. And that that's the literacy around that has increased a lot. But I mean, brain computer interfacing might take a bit more time, but mm-hmm. it's definitely it's definitely happening. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm curious then like, okay, so you find out about it, you you see you see the flock like start mm-hmm. to move towards this thing. Like how do you I'm and I'm guessing you came from a background where you didn't have a lot of background in machine learning. No. How do you get past the the barrier of information and like meeting the minimum threshold to be able to like you know, talk about it, work on it, that kind of stuff. Right. So let's see here. I I started getting into it like in my second co-op when I was like uh, working at <laughs> working at a hedge fund. Mm-hmm. Um, was so was that your primary job there? Like doing machine learning stuff? No, no, no. It was ah. definitely like very it was very full stack. So it was completely full stack. Um, but on the side, um, these were I guess these were not like hedge fund uh, per se. They were like hedge fund administrators. So they were right. like the I guess like the accountants for really rich hedge funds, and I remember on our floor we had this like we had this thing called a Bloomberg terminal, right? Yep. And you saw these numbers and like they were super fancy graphs, and I was just like, kind of captured my curiosity. What the heck is this thing? And I talked to my boss and like, okay, yo, what, what, what's up with this thing? And what are these all these curves? And I that's that's like that's how I found out about like oh yeah you can predict right mm. do these predictions and use this analysis. Um, so that's my basic introduction, and then like from there on, I started like kind of delving into the details. I was like, okay, um, what can I learn in this subject, or mm-hmm. what are where they're online, and start taking the Andrew Ng course um, online Coursera. Went through that, and at that point in time, I kind of like I felt comfortable in my knowledge. Like, um, to I knew the basics at that yeah. point, right? And then, so after that was just like, I was in, in the Waterloo Data Science class part and like partly inspired by this guy, Jason Liu, right? Mm-hmm. And he talked about how he broke into data science and he's like, yeah, I just like went to like a and a hackathons and just 
basically every hackathon I'd work on something data science and certain machine learning. It's like, okay, that's a pretty great, good framework um, to kind of um, develop my for into that field. And so I started doing the same thing. I just went to a lot of hackathons. <laughs> I just went to shit ton of hackathons. Yeah. And uh, it's super funny how I actually got my uh, job at IBM. Mm-hmm. Um, I went to QHacks, right? And they you went had all the way to Queens. Yeah, that's so far. Oh Dude. my gosh! No, this was like one of the like I went all like yeah. I went to a lot of places, but um, I went to Q Hacks. Um, the, one of the fireside chats. What was by this guy called? Like his name was Pavel, right? Mm-hmm. And um, and he was he was on the stage with the the founder of Clarify, who was like a really big like image recognition like uh, computer vision like yeah. company in SF, and but like they're doing super well now. But yeah, as they were talking and like, I, I that was a super good fireside chat. I went to talk to the guys like after after the talk, kind of like learn more, you know, the ask the generic questions, and you know, I went on about my hack hacking, right? Uh, perfect. And then like after I'm done, you know, what the works hits, I apply to this job about IBM, and I interview with them. And the guy, I kid yeah. you not, it was a 25 minute interview. First of all, I kid you not. I was wearing like that was like a random day. I was go, I was late from like class. I was oh running my towards my thing, and I literally took my jacket off. I had my Q hacks bag by accident. Oh! And the guy was actually like there, and he's like, "Oh yeah, you went to Q hacks?" And um, I'm like, "Yeah. Well, how'd you know about it?" And we we this was a 25 minute interview, and we started talking about it. And it turns out the guy's boss, um, mm-hmm. Powell, was was his boss. Oh wow! So we we like literally like. 15 minutes, we just talked about like, oh yeah, that talk was really cool. You were there. How was your experience? Um, yeah, that, that's that's how I kind of like got that in, uh, uh-huh. you could say. And the last 10 minutes was like a technical question. It was like a super, not, I'm not going to say basic, but it was like, it was a decent question that I knew. So I answered that. And that's literally how I got a, <laughs> that's what how a, I got a job. What a like nice serendipitous like little workout. That's, yeah. that's so good. I'm yeah. glad that worked out for you. So. Yeah. Oh, interesting. So the lesson is, I guess, go, go to more hackathons. <laughs> See, I have a thing where, like, I'm not sure if going to hackathons all the time is super sustainable. Because mm-hmm. um, there's certain parts of hackathon culture that, is, that are really great and mm-hmm. other parts that I'm not necessarily a huge fan of. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. But it's definitely good that you went out there and, like, collaborated with people. And mm-hmm. I think, I guess, that's the most valuable, right? Is, like, meeting yeah, people no, there. definitely. I, I, I'm on the same, off the same opinion that some hackathons are, like, I mean, you can't, Stay up for thirty six hours yeah, for like it's just not four months, right? Like yeah. it's just not sustainable. Um, but it is. That being said, like it is good for. I would like recommend any like newcomer to like really go in and even if you don't sleep, like even if you like do sleep, you're fine. Just like being exposed and put that put in that environment. Um, there's so many like kind of like something like this, right? So many random tangents going that you know you pick up on this thing or you pick up on that thing, and one thing leads to another, right? The 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 whole point of it is to being like. Make sure you're exposed enough, like until like being hardworking enough, hardworking enough until like luck comes to you, right? Sort exactly. Of thing. So, yeah. Right? Yeah. This is a, a debate I had with a friend recently about the difference between like whether success is a function of luck or hard work. Mm-hmm. And I was like, my opinion personally is that you work hard to give yourself more chances to get lucky. Exactly. Right? Like you might have a, it might be a fifty-fifty, but the more often you roll, the more chances you're gonna get at exactly. the good side of the fifty-fifty, right? And that's where the hard work comes exactly. in. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Cool. All right, so we've come kind of, not full circle per se, but so you end up in this field, and I know this is something that you've become passionate about recently. Mm-hmm. Machine learning starts to explode, and then 
the public becomes aware of, uh, I don't want to say misuses, <laughs> but the field has, I think, taken a turn differently than a lot of people expected. And like, the more we learn about the technology, people are more and more uh, critical about how it's being used, mm-hmm. and is and that is this something you're passionate about? Like the oh the yeah, ethical definitely. stuff of technology. Yeah, for sure, man. Like mm. if you like uh, look at I, I don't know, I saw this uh, study on or I read this article on, like MIT Tech Review, and they're talking about like the bias bias in like computer vision, right? If you like, if you have like a sample data, if you're training your model on like entirely say like white people, right? Yeah, and you use that to freaking I don't know like. If, like to detect like who's making a traffic, uh, doing illegal stuff, and you put like a black black person in there, right? Yeah, like it's it's gonna it's gonna up, right? Yeah, I mean, it's gonna screw up. So um, there's there's definitely like there's a lot of like mm-hmm. kind of um, holes that we need to address just in general, and obviously that's like the bias in AI is like a huge conversation right now. Um, in addition to just being like. There's also this like entire like different like oh is this getting too strong like the Elon uh, Musk sort of vibe is like yeah I'm less worried about that though I I, I see I I like to think that I'm less worried and then I come really? across something like I don't know the, the, this new language model that OpenAI uh, uh, kind of put out OpenGPT two and oh I think I read about this in an article yeah, on Wired yes. yeah so. Like their whole thing was like initially they just released like a smaller version, a subset of their model because they they said it was going to be too strong to be used for mal malintended purposes, and then they recently they just released the whole model right. And earlier I thought like it was just like a marketing gimmick, as with any <laughs> I don't know as with like a lot of like companies that they just want to generate the buzz and which it did right because it's like oh oh definitely what yeah. the heck right like where where are we. Uh, in terms of this like natural language processing, but then I kind of like tried, started playing around with it. It's like, damn, it's a uh, like some of the some of the things like given like a per- certain input, some of the things that it can produce is pretty crazy. So I and that worried you? Yeah, it, it worried me. Because really? I, yeah, like I, I I'm sure like okay, I I don't I don't think we're gonna be doomed like in the coming twenty years, mm-hmm. maybe in the maybe not even the coming thirty years, but. And we're, and we're not there yet, right? But but I think like this is something that it, we should be conscious of. It's like climate change, right? Like we're like, okay, yeah, we're gonna be go through the industrial revolution, no questions asked. We're gonna be like, oh yeah, it's not it's not a big issue. And then like boom, it hits you. It's right. like, oh, it's very real and it's coming fast. And it's almost too late. And it's coming. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. So I like we should learn from our mistakes there. And I think like going into science, like there's. It's a very hard trade-off, right? Like it's like yeah. when do you if you add all these policy requirements and add all these like I don't know like red tape around it, you don't want to inhibit the growth, right? But at the same time, make yeah. sure to like keep an eye on the back, right? Like yeah. you don't know what's what's out there, and um, it it could be used in a very mm-hmm. adverse uh, manner. So interesting. Yeah. I'm I so. That it's it's relieving, honestly, to hear people talk about this because, mm-hmm. like, sometimes you see things and you read things and you wonder, like, am I the only person who cares about this? Like, how do people at these big companies and how did this how does this policy and technology get away with it? Mm-hmm. But it's good to hear that you know people are not alone and there is consensus about this topic. So I'm wondering for other people who want to learn more about like ethical uses of technology or just start thinking about it more mm-hmm. from 
like the beginning stages of whatever they're creating because like I think you know it's it's helpful to think about it from the start how do mm-hmm. people go about increasing literacy around this or like how did you learn to talk more about it and like get more informed about it hmm. let's see here I think this is like kind of revolves around like a similar conversation that we're having right like why how do we develop like sort of like this kind of um conscience yeah uh, in, in that sense and that's a really hard um that's a really hard sort of question to ask mm-hmm. right what what is conscience right what's conscience to you may not be mm-hmm. like conscious to a drug lord mafia lord in <laughs> yeah. like uh somewhere right that's true but yeah. granted given that like there there needs to be some base cases for like say researchers to go about it and i think like for me i i personally like just like really care about being like part of like a small minority um Mm -hmm. like growing up um i i I tend to like i think like that kind of helped me look on the sides right looking at like the uh edges uh and and more the edge cases and seeing okay like are we are we are we like treating these people properly and are we like treating these like subsects properly and is this what they're getting right so this was this whole like kind of notion of like justice and um being discriminated against was like big growing up, right? I think that definitely contributed to me being like more of a compassionate person. Mm. I like to think at least. Oh, I, I definitely agree with that. Um, and I think so, so, so like to kind of, um, for, for people just like normal, like random people, right? Like I just say like, I don't know, be human, right? Yeah. Talk um, to your neighbor. Talk to your neighbors. Talk yeah. to, talk to friends, right? To understand, empathize, sympathize. And, um, on the other hand, like be informed. Like I, I, I was like, I was very unaware of like all this, like you know, the bias, ethic, ethics, and bias in AI problem until I kind of like exposed myself to that stuff and read about it. And it is very important. And I think like a really like good resource that helped me out um, that I I'm really glad that I found was like this website called like Eighty Thousand Hours. Mm-hmm. Um, so basically, the whole like purpose is like you only have eighty thousand hours in your entire career. Make mm. make use of it. Yeah. Um. And they helped me out with like my decision making when I was like picking engineering as well. Um. But just in general, they they're really good at like decomposing problems and like seeing okay what are the actual like effects and having like data back it up and science and mm. like getting people like who are actually really knowledgeable about a subject talk about the edge like you know the outskirts of the field and edge cases. So that was that was really good. I think like for a beginner, I guess. Not even beginner, like even like I I use it every day, right? Like I try to just like read, like it's like my I guess Reddit or my any any name any social media. So resources like that, seek that out, right? And then just conversations, mm. you know, just like this one, just like this one. All right, cool. Well, I think that's a very good note. I think to leave it on for the listeners out there, mm. be a good neighbor, be informed. I think that's a solid message. Yeah. Um, so Addy, thanks for coming on. It was no a great problem. talk. Yeah. It was a great being It goes by a lot faster than you think. Yeah. Right? Yeah. No. That was like 30 minutes. Damn. Okay. Yeah. All right. That did, I didn't realize that. But yeah, like there it is. That's the end of episode five. Cool. Um, so I guess we'll see everybody in the next one. Bye bye. Okay. That was episode five. We hope it was insightful. As always, if you liked it, feel free to follow us wherever you found us and give us a shout on Facebook. This episode is sponsored by the University of Waterloo's Mathematics Endowment Fund and, of course, UW Coffee & Code. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you in the next one.